Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And it's time for another Feminist Movie Friday. Um, This one, we, Samantha and I, watched together alone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you'll see, uh, I'm about to post when we... Probably right when we release this, the text you and I had. Oh. Because we went back and forth. The end. It was really, really interesting because the entire time we were not necessarily like live tweeting, but we're definitely live texting each other the entire time. And we were pretty close. Yeah. In our, our screening times. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. We had a good time. Yeah. Making the most of this situation. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And we're talking about the 2014 Persian film, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And this is a movie written and directed by Anna Lily Amirpour, and it was her debut film. It stars Sheila Vond as the titular girl. That's how she's billed. That's her character name. Right. And Amirpour grew up in California after her parents fled during the Iranian Revolution. While it was at first only released in the U.S., there are things in the movie that only people who read and understand Farsi would get. A character who plays a pimp has a tattoo that says pimp across his face in Farsi. So it is yeah. very, like, you need to pay attention. Yeah. And I, I mean, we read that. In our research, but I would love to confirm it from a listener right. who speaks Farsi. Um, and I just want to put in here, shout out to me. I was in a vampire film short once. <laughs> uh, and maybe I, I did find it. Maybe I'll post it somewhere. Um, it was for a 48-hour film festival. Oh, yeah. And uh, it we accidentally forgot to title it, so it's called Untitled. <laughs> I mean, that's an ominous... Title, I like it. I I thought it was really good, and I had a good time making it in the way that a 48-hour film festival is a very dramatic period of time. There's a lot of arguments, but at the end, you feel so much camaraderie. But okay, everyone's like, please don't post it, but I I might. Uh, I I think you should. And I also did a movie crush with Chuck, our friend Chuck, on what we do in the shadows. So vampires are sort of your thing, and especially different takes on vampires— um, then go check that out. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Oh, God, I love that movie so much. And the show is great. Um, <laughs> I did want to read the Amazon Prime summary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Strange things are afoot in Bad City, the Iranian ghost town home to prostitutes, junkies, pimps, and other sordid souls. is a place that reeks of death and hopelessness, where a lonely vampire is stalking the town's most unsavory inhabitants. But when boy meets girl, an unusual love story begins to blossom. Blood red. <laughs> uh, thank you for that rendition. That was freaking amazing. <laughs> thank you. Um, it was beautiful. I kind of want you to do it, redo it just to me so I can save it. <laughs> uh, you know what? During this time when we're all looking for new content, I should start a thing where I just dramatically read descriptions. <laughs> That and also your fan fiction. I okay. I'm looking for a way to read my yeah, fan fiction. Yeah. Actually, um, if you need someone to do some, you know, other characters, send it to me, and we okay. can have a reading. Okay, and record that out so we can do like a Skype live reading together. I still maintain that you're going to have to watch Star Wars to understand my fan fiction uh, and appreciate I don't know. the depth. I think it's it's better. No, me not it's knowing. Definitely not. Because then I could just enjoy. <laughs> no, <laughs> trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No. Come no, on. Nope, no. Nope. Well, let's get back to our movie, that shall we're talking we? About today, um, yes. And again, I'm just going to go back to the fact that, yes, your readings are always great. So just Thank put it you. out there. But we will talk about our movie. And mm-hmm. specifically, let's talk about the plot. So the movie is set in a fictional city in Iran called Bad City. Very 
on the nose. Yeah. Um, it's sort of a ghost town populated by drug addicts and sex workers, and it's sort of uh, reminiscent of Sin City, I guess. Yeah. Um, and the color scheme's kind of around the same way, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. The opening titles are over a pit of dead bodies that is apparently just the norm. Right. It's broad daylight when the dude walks past. We see Arash, a James Dean type, uh, riding off in his super nice car. Or he did have a nice car until a drug dealer took it as payment for drug debt for his father. Right. His father is a widowed addict, spending his time with the single sex worker in Bad City. Again, it's a ghost town. Yeah. And so this drug dealer slash pimp then shakes down a sex worker in his employ, refusing to give her her cut and coerces her into oral sex. Uh, Then we get our first glimpse of the girl, um, and she's silently watching. It's a really good cut because he sees her and he turns, and then when he turns back, she's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. He later becomes her first victim because he invites her, he sees her again, and he invites her back to his place where she kind of silently goes through his thing. She's not saying anything. She's just kind of looking around as he's doing drugs. Um, And then he starts dancing in front of her shirtless. This is the type of guy this is. Yes, you got so, like, that was one of the texts. Like, he's dancing? (laughs) Why is he dancing? (laughs) Yes. And I had seen this movie, but it had been a long time. It has been a long time for me, too. Yeah, okay. So he's, the one thing that really stuck out to me of this scene is both the viewer and him, it seems like he's in control of the situation. He is so certain he is the one in power here that he's going to get what he wants. But then she reveals her fangs and centrally sucks his finger, recalling his earlier coercing of the sex worker, and then she bites it off. I mean, it's a pretty amazing scene. Yeah, and, and then she continues to feed on him. And yet, while I was watching this, I kept thinking that if I had not known anything going in, I would never, like, no chance in hell would I read her as the aggressor. Right. Um, I would think, oh, something weird. But it's it's very interesting the way that the movie plays with things like that. Arash uh, arrives soon after this incident to find the drug dealer dead um, and takes back the keys to his car. He'd previously stolen some diamond earrings from a rich client to exchange for the keys, and that's why he was there, but now, no need. So he keeps the earrings. Um, Not only does he recover his car keys, he takes the suitcase of drugs and cash, and then he quits his job and decides instead to start selling drugs. When the girl meets Arash, he's dressed as Dracula, the right. very overly cartoonist Dracula. Yeah. Um, and he asks her if she's afraid of him. Again, the one thing that I love about her character is her just intense glare. Mm-hmm. It's never just a look. It's always a glare. Because I was going to say, even though in the scene where she is with the pimp, you would think that the pimp is the one in control, mm-hmm. her stare alone tells you, ah, oh, hell nah. Yeah. <laughs> Things are going to go awry like, real quick mm-hmm. and in the favor of this girl. But with that, they formed a, co- a connection. Maybe yeah. maybe love, maybe. maybe obsession, maybe an understanding. Um, yeah. Just a connection for something. Mm-hmm. And Arash had just come from a costume party where he took ecstasy. And I'm not going to lie, there was a couple of moments when you were like, no! <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Um, and he made the moves on a girl at the party who was actually the girl that he stole the earrings from. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she rejects him, and another dude puts fangs in Arash's mouth, which, ew. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, P 
people playing with each other's mouth. Maybe that's a thing. That's maybe the theme or a kind of uh, a yeah. of of a lesson of kind of like, yeah, I see. I own you. I can do this to you. Yeah, Your mouth specifically. I don't yeah. Know. And it feels like a commentary on emasculation and performative, aggressive masculinity. Also, creepy dancing Reagan. Yeah, there's a oh yeah, that Reagan, the, that fat face mask. I was like, that alone yeah. makes me go it. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Um, okay, so from there, a relationship between Arash and the girl blossoms. When they're first hanging out listening to music, it's played so that you think she's going to bite him. She's like kind of slowly getting closer and leaning in, and so is he. Um, but instead, she kind of just goes for a hug, yeah, and they hold each other. It's very intimate. Yeah, it's a very. It ends up being pretty sweet. It is. Uh, later, she tells him that she's done bad things, and he doesn't know what she's done. But he's totally unperturbed. He's like, "I've done. You don't know what I've done either." And he gives her the earrings and pierces her ears with a safety pin. Gotta love that. Uh, it's a grease scene. Oh, I see. I think of The Parent Trap, but with Lindsay Lohan. Because that's the one I saw. <laughs> All of this makes me so sad. <laughs> Can't help it. Sorry. I'm so sad right now. <laughs> okay. Um, the girl gives the sex worker what the pimp owed her, her cut. Meanwhile, Arash's father is going through withdrawal and believes their cat is his dead wife. And Arash angrily gives him the drugs and money and kicks him and the cat out. His father and the cat go to the sex worker's place where he coerces her into taking heroin. The girl arrives and kills him. The two women dispose of the body and then the girl takes the cat. Arash discovers his father's body the next day and heads over to the girl's place to ask her, like, let's go, let's run off, pack your things. But then he sees the cat and he he realizes that she probably must have had something to do with his father's demise. But they drive off anyway, and it's a really, there's tension clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stops the car on a dark road. I love this shot. They're just sitting there in silence, and the cat's sitting in between yes. them. Like, it's the elephant in the room, the right. cat in the car. Right. Uh, he gets out, contemplating what he's going to do. For a moment, you think he's going to confront her. Mm-hmm. But instead, he gets back into the car, and they drive off into the night in silence. And you know, you see that hesitation. It's definitely that moment of him going... Do I confront her? Right. Do I keep going? Yeah. What's the lesser evil? And I think that could be a commentary on what's worse than being alone. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to style, yeah. this movie has it in spades. The black, it's black and white, but also really contemporary, sort of a modern twilight zone feel, and also exists in sort of a limbo outside of time of American and Iranian culture. It's a silent film and Farsi dialogue. The music is on point. It's so on point. Like, there were several times that we were just like, ah, this music, this soundtrack, it just brings all the feels. Like, I can't even understand half the songs, but it's gorgeous, and I just, I love it. Mm -hmm. And in the girls' room are music posters, uh, perhaps most strikingly one of Madonna, which I I don't know if I think I've told you the story that the two musicians I knew about growing up in Korea, Mm -hmm. that as my memories living in my grandparents' house before I went to an orphanage, it was Madonna Mm -hmm. and Michael Jackson. So they are an international kind of representation of American iconic pop music culture, Mm -hmm. for sure. It kind of defies genres, too. Sort of a Western, sort of a horror, sort of a romance, sort of a female revenge, kind of a comedy Mm-hmm. There's definitely business of that. <laughs> uh, sort of a tale of teenage loneliness. I mean, the tagline of this movie was 
the first Iranian vampire Western. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of indications. And when it comes to just the cinematic scope of the movie, it's gorgeous. There's a lot of uh, staging. You could tell that oh, he, yeah. she did it purposely and to make it a depth that mm-hmm. is either you're supposed to feel hollow or you're supposed to feel like they're in their space. And, you know, yeah. you were talking about the scene where they were hugging each other. Mm-hmm. I took some pictures. Like, I was trying to pose my box of wine yeah, for yeah. our, uh, I'm sorry, our, my box of juice, <laughs> adult juices yeah. uh, for our feminist movie uh-huh. uh, with that shot because it was such a beautiful still shot. It was yeah. just a gorgeous, like, uh, mm-hmm. And she did it perfectly in a way that she also made the move from, if you're viewing it, left to right. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It is. A lot of this movie is really gorgeous. The girl, again, played by Sheila Vand, she's dressed in a traditional black veil. Uh, she's seen semi-frequently traveling on a skateboard. She scares boys and feeds on men, especially men who perpetrate sex-based crimes or, I guess, crimes in general. She's a vigilante vampire. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we don't know much about her other than that. We don't know why she hunts wrongdoers or why she's in Bad City. We don't even know her name. Um, if it even matters when you're immortal, I was thinking about that. Like, do you even care? Right. <laughs> um, we don't know how long she's been a vampire. We don't know how she got turned or who she was before. The audience is left to draw our own conclusions. And by leaving the details of her story vague, she can be read as a representation of something so much more than just one person, the girl. Right. Um, so we have a lot of tropes to get into around this movie. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And we did want to talk a little bit about, um, I guess, the, the creator's, right. her feelings around around this movie and when people asked if it's why? feminist. Right. Yeah. What and why and huh? Mm-hmm. So when, we, when asked whether or not the film was intended to be feminist, Armapore said yes and went on to explain that probably says more about you than it does about me. A film is like a mirror. Agreed here on my own commentary. (laughs) Uh, What I connect with in a movie is my own stuff. So consciously, no. It's more about how surfaces are not what they seem. There's more than meets the eye to people. It's not just women. It's everybody. Everybody in the world, in the film, in my mind, is much more than what you see on the surface. All people underneath have strange, weird secrets inside. Agreed. And when you get to those things, it makes you reevaluate the outside and reevaluate your assumptions. That's what I'm interested in. It's not an ism. All of those things confine your thinking because they tell you this is what it is and then it's done. I think everything just has to be considered in its own individual space and time. Yes. So she has, if you look up feminist, best feminist movies, this frequently comes up on the list. So she gets this question a lot. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like from most of the interviews I've read with her, she's kind of like, you know, I intended it to be this way to me. But I never went out to, like, it's just this thing because audiences consume it and have different takes. Right. And she did say, love is kind of a horror movie, isn't it? I love that. that. That's a whole different (laughs) take. It's true. Yeah. You know, it's kind of that trope, too. Like, oh, no, if you don't find Mm. the virginal whatever and you go and just true love can maybe stop 
the horror, right? <laughs> right? No? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so one of the tropes we want to talk about is right in the title, Reclaim the Night. Um, yeah, because it's a phrase that frequently starts tragic stories about women who are sexually assaulted and murdered. She was walking alone at night. Uh, but in this case, she is the predator. She is the one people should be afraid of. She is the one human villains need to fear. Armory Poor purposefully did not give the character a name, nor many speaking lines, describing her instead as a force of nature. I'm telling you, that stare, glare alone oh my literally gosh. could put someone down. I mean, I think part of that was the great makeup that mm-hmm. you can't quite see with a black and white. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that yeah. stare could take someone down. She definitely has a presence. Just anytime she's on in a in a, a still or a scene, you're like, oh, okay. And then with that cape, she's like Batman. Yeah, and the fact that she's wearing it, something that in Western media typically depicts a woman who is helpless or suppressed or dangerous, and in Islamic media usually indicates virtue and innocence, and during the uh, revolution protest. Uh, in some scenes, it does function as sort of a superhero cape or a disguise. When asked if she's religious, she immediately says no. This balancing act makes viewers question their own beliefs. She is a monster in the literal sense, but she's also in some ways a hero, or at least in our like entertainment culture, mm-hmm. very that's very Batman-esque almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Vigilante. She doesn't need saving in the typical sense, but she does need some type of connection. She isn't in danger in the typical sense, instead in danger of not feeding on a victim. She's both the final girl and the antagonist at the same time. Contains multitudes. What? Yes, yes. And it really makes you question why, if we didn't know she was a vampire, almost every interaction she has with a man she would be the prey and they would be a predator. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I kept questioning. Right. Yeah. Right. She wears a cute T-shirt. To me, it looked very Parisian. Like, you know, she just need a beret. <laughs> and her hair and makeup are cute, too. She does not look like a traditional predator. She does look like a young teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Um, yet even without the vampire thing, there's an edge of danger around her. Again, that intense stare. Yeah. I would be a little afraid. And I think the eyeliner, again, mm-hmm. that makeup, um, and the refusal to ever look away helps with that edginess. Yeah. I think we need to learn that trick. We need to get some really thick eyeliner. I am so bad at eyeliner. I can't. I can't help you because I don't want to touch your eyes. Yes. That would freak me the maybe, freak out. Maybe would, years from now. <laughs> that would make me so freaked out. Um, but no, being like wearing that thickness and just staring at people. Yeah. You also do have to tilt your head down. Okay. You see what I'm doing right here? Yeah, I do. Okay, I, I'm y'all. getting a lot of tips. So I'm, right now I'm tipping my head down mm-hmm. so you can see my double chin. But yes. you can also see the intensity in my eyes. I can. I'm getting a little yeah, freaked out. Yeah, I don't <laughs> have that much eyeliner on. Are you a vampire, Samantha? <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I would go towards more ghoul ghost. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, there are themes of the patriarchy throughout this movie. When we first see Arash's father, a clip on the TV is saying, and your husband brings home the money, brings home a new wife, a younger wife. Probably more, but that's what stuck out in my yeah, head. Yeah, there were so many things he was saying because it was definitely playing the uh, when it was like a bad connection. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. obviously doing uh, making you pay attention to what was being said. Mm-hmm. But then you see the pimp is coercing the sex worker for sex, and he says things like, "You're thirty. You're getting old." He says that to him. I actually, I think I may have said "f you" on my text. <laughs> yeah. Did I say that? Yeah. All right. Don't don't you want kids? Women want kids, don't they? And then he calls her a hag. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, but he's like, have sex with me, you hag. Like, yeah, I'll give you kids. I think he actually, like, commented as of that. Nah, he's gross. Yeah. He's so gross. You think the vampire is going to kill the sex worker at that scene when she 
gives her the jewelry that she stole from the pimp. Yeah. Uh, but she doesn't. And then they have a conversation, and the girl, like, one of the few lines she says is, you don't like what you do, you're sad. The sex worker no longer remembers how to want things. When Arash's father coerces her into taking heroin, there's a vibe of, your wants and needs don't matter, don't fight back, you can't change things, here's something to numb the pain. There's also a theme of addiction, creating a dependence and maintaining the power structure. Kind of a critique on women making do under the patriarchy and numbing ourselves to all the BS and outright horror that it can entail. Uh, I've been, a long time ago, I read an article about that in terms of uh, women were drinking more wine after right. Trump got elected. And some people were saying, you're basically numbing yourself to put up with, with the patriarchy. Right. Yeah. And, and I did see a theme between the young girl and the mom, and the mom and the older woman as a motherly, again, coming back round into calling her a mom. Because mm-hmm. she does have this caring need, and the girl seems to need that as well. Once again, trying to find a connection, yeah, a human spot, and the two of them trying to be, um, to make sense of their place in that society. Yeah, because you don't see you don't see any mentions of parents, moms. You see the father, failing father, addicted father, mm-hmm. but not of a, a matri- matriarchal side. Right, and I, I was definitely thinking about because we're going to. I'm going to assume the girl is older than the sex worker. Right. But, so there's this vibe of, like, she's trying to believe, she's attacking these predators, mm-hmm. and she's trying to believe that the damage isn't too done. Like, is it that this system right. that she can't really attack, she can attack certain people, Yeah, but is it too in place? And so I felt like during that conversation, she was trying to get to the bottom of, is sure. there hope here? Right. I wonder if she's just attracted to the sadness. Because that's both Arash and the sex workers. Like, they have this sadness about them, whether mm-hmm. it's he lost his car, he just got rejected, he's trying to find his way with for his father, mm-hmm. versus she who's just gave up, and this is her life now, and this is who she is, and she won't, even if she did want to be a mom, she doesn't have that option right now. Like, all of those things, I think the whole kind of realm is she's trying to save the sad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But also, on top of that, there definitely is that conversation of revenge, which is all steeped in there. And the girl definitely engages in this type of revenge, vigilanteism. A lot of it is patriarchy-based. She kills Arash's father and the pimp for mistreating the sex worker and being all around not great people. But she also kills a homeless man, which perhaps is a critique on the hierarchy and the patriarchy, I don't know, that through her position in society as a woman is lower than that of any man around her. And she still has to feed on those in lower positions than her. Right. So she's still contributing in a way to this system. And, and so she finds someone who hasn't done anything wrong, but unfortunately won't be noticed. Right. It's missing. So it's, it's another victim of the patriarchy right. that is lower than her. Um, and then we I know we've talked about this before, but... When it comes to the question of who and what are monsters, we talked about that in our female monster episode, because there is just because you have these human people that are bad, mm-hmm. and she is a vampire, which is a monster, right? But she's picking off the bad people, and it's just it makes you think about about those kinds of things. And there's a really cool mirroring shot that I love where she's stalking Arash's father from across the street. Stopping when he stops, like, lifting her arm when he lifts his arm. Mm -hmm. 
And it, to me, it suggested they are both monsters. They're just like two sides of the same coin. Right. So we do see the scene where she stalks a little boy, but she doesn't eat him. Instead, demanding to know if he's a good boy. That whole scene was really kind of creepy. Yeah. And then promising to watch him and threatening to rip his eyes out if he isn't good. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, that's one way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he steals his skateboard, which is part of the description of the movie, is that she takes a skateboard and she rides away. Yeah. So you see this floating. Yeah. Which you do see with that one perfect scene where she glides through yeah. the scene. I love it. <laughs> on the skateboard. And then there is this recurrent theme around... The reason we're all here. Yes. Arash even directly asked the girl, why are you here? And then later, so what are you? And he he doesn't mean them existentially. But it it definitely plays that way, especially with her gaze. Right. And we as audience knowing what she is. Right. Um, So, yeah, and in the end, they choose connection, which I think has been a kind of a theme, is her searching for mm -hmm. connection and him searching for connection as well even though he now knows in part about those bad things she alluded to earlier involving her father and her, even though she knows he'll die either by her hand or through old age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. It's a pretty powerful... It's a very... It's definitely one of those chilling-ish movie, Mm -hmm. but it's not overly traumatizing. No. Unless, of course, like there are definitely some triggers in there with the sex worker, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. So there's some personal bits absolutely could be a little bit traumatizing. But in that level of what we see in gore and scare tactics and jumping out, that's definitely not a part of this. No, not at all. So we do have a little bit more for you. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, final thoughts. Final thoughts on this movie. Uh, I think people should go back and rewatch it. <laughs> go back and rewatch it. That's our final, our oh, final thoughts. I think there's a lot of conversations to be had about loneliness, about connecting, especially right now as we're in our self quarantine mode. Even though Annie and I are in the studio today. But we we're are a six feet away. We are six feet away from each other. Yes, and we disinfected the hell out of it. Everything. I yeah. brought in my little towel to like open doors and shut doors. There's yep, and we have multiple wipes and hand sanitizers. And in yesterday here. was a deep clean. Apparently, very deep clean. It was in the a studio. very. We were deep told clean. we couldn't come in for a while because of the chemicals. So yeah, but this is probably the last time we'll be recording yeah. in the studio for so, a long time. Look out for our videos. If you probably you'll probably see it before we even like really release this. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of us trying to connect through our own home mm-hmm. recording sessions, and myself who is wonderfully inept at a lot of technology. <laughs> I should probably document how bad this goes. You should. That would. We need some levity. Oh, we need some levity. But yes, I'm back on the film. I think, again, when we're talking about isolation and quarantine, yeah. like, this is kind of one of those, like, that search for what is good, what is bad, right, wrong, all of those things. I think it does have a lot of conversation. And again, beautiful screenshots. It is. Um, screenshots, <laughs> which it can be, but also beautifully so. shot. <laughs> yes, there we go. But um, if you want to do a screenshot, you're going to do that too. Yeah, totally. I, uh, I agree, and there's just this overall feeling of 
emptiness in the city is empty mm-hmm. and it feels like the characters are sort of an emptiness mm-hmm. and loneliness just pervasive loneliness and i think i like how it ends with sort of i don't know what any of this means i don't know why any of us are here right but i know that i don't want to be alone right and that's all i know right but hey for those who are kind of alone it's okay it is. And you have us. You do. So you're not alone. You do. And uh, we're happy to hear hear from you. And we would love your suggestions on what movie we should do next. I want to do The Last Unicorn, and so does Lauren. So that is, she said she would do it with us. Or The Empire Strikes Back. For me, the fourth be with you. <laughs> I'm making all the faces. You are, and I'm I don't making care. All the faces. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I am who I am, and I I am proud of it. You are, and I am proud of who you are as well. Oh, thank you. Just to show, just so you know, we did choose this film specifically for International Women's Day, which has already passed, mm-hmm. and International Women's Well, it's Women's Month, History Month. Yeah. Um, because we did want to highlight the Iranian director uh, Armapour and what she did and what she has accomplished with this beautiful film. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to kind of reiterate how awesome foreign films are, I can't remember. Is it foreign films? Is that weird? No, subtitled no, films? I, I, yeah, I would say um, don't avoid films. Yeah, subtitled say. films are great and it's good to watch and it's lovely. You're missing out on a lot. Yeah. If you're, oh, yeah. If you're just, again, to be fair, uh, sometimes I'm like, I just want to pass out to a movie. Sure. But that's, this there's is, space for yeah, that too. Yeah, this is one of those like, yeah, no, try more things. Remember these movies. Go beyond. And and as in fact, for y'all, tell us what movies that we are missing because mm-hmm. we haven't seen enough international films. Mm-hmm. Please give us those shout out. Yes, and you can do that at our email address, stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thank you. Thanks to you for listening. And please stay safe and healthy out there. And get in touch with us if, if you need to, if you want to. We're here for you. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 